0: Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast as we wrap up wild card weekend and begin to look ahead to this weekend's divisional playoff round. And with that in mind, we'll be joined today by the wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zay Jones, a player who was a part of an historic comeback last weekend in Jacksonville when the Jaguars erased a 27 point deficit against the Chargers and went on to record the third largest comeback in NFL postseason history on their way to Kansas City this weekend for a divisional playoff showdown against the Chiefs. Zay Jones will be on to talk about this past weekend and this upcoming weekend as well. And then we'll be joined by the authors, two historic legendary authors of the new book, House of Wolves, Jim Patterson, a man who's written almost 200 novels, sold over 425 million books, over 100 New York Times bestsellers. I hope this new book does something for him, as well as his co-writer of House of Wolves, my friend, the legendary sports columnist, Mike Lupica, Jim Patterson, Mike Lupica, on to talk about their new book, House of Wolves. And of course, we are coming off a weekend that was memorable in many ways. It may have been, may have been, the last time that we see Tom Brady play a football game. And think about all the people right now who need more time. Tom Brady needs more time to decide what he wants to do in the future and whether or not he will continue his football career. Aaron Rodgers needs more time to decide whether he wants to retire, leave Green Bay, or return to the Packers, which at this point seems the least likely of the three options. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson need time to figure out what they're going to be doing in the future and how they're going to resolve their situation, which certainly seems right now like it needs to be addressed. And Sean McVay took the time that he needed last week to come to the decision that he did want to continue on with the Los Angeles Rams. So time is of the essence for everybody, and time is involved in all of these big stories that loom over the National Football League and will shape the offseason and the 2023 season ahead. Everybody wants time? Time for everybody to get that time. while we get ready for the divisional playoff round and look back to last weekend as well. Now, what stood out to me last weekend is that some of these wild cards are rolling right now. That is the advantage to playing in week one as opposed to sitting like Kansas City and Philadelphia with the buys, a team like the Giants comes out of Minnesota. Dangerous, potent, and with a lot of confidence going into Philadelphia Saturday. We'll see what that translates into. The Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, rolling with the best game maybe that they've played all year long against an overmatched Tampa Bay Buccaneers team where Tom Brady looked like he needed some help and now needs the time that we talked about this offseason to figure out what he wants to do and this to me may be my favorite weekend of football all year long because we get four great matchups four great matchups starting with Jacksonville and Kansas City on Saturday this is the first playoff meeting between the two teams they played in Kansas City in week 10 and the Chiefs won 27-17 after leading 20 to nothing in the second quarter sounds a lot like The Jaguars game last weekend, which Zay Jones is going to be talking about here in a matter of moments. But let me also say this we've seen Patrick Mahomes come of age, and we are starting to see Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick from a couple of years ago, come of age the same type of way. Now, Trevor Lawrence can become the fourth quarterback selected, number one overall, to win his first two playoff starts, joining. Jim Plunkett, Troy Aikman, and Joe Burrow, who's also alive this week. And we mentioned the Giants and Eagles on Saturday night, the fifth playoff meeting between these two teams. The last time they met in the playoffs was the 2008 divisional round when the six-seeded Eagles upset the number one seed Giants on the road. And this feels a little bit like the Giants' wildcard teams that got rolling back in the Super Bowl years. We'll see whether they can continue it against a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who is now off the injury report, and deemed ready to go on Saturday night before we get to the game Sunday. Two marquee matchups, the Bengals and the Bills, a continuation of the Week 17 Monday Night Football game that was rightfully canceled. So now this is the rematch, and yes, Cincinnati did draw the short straw because the game will be played in Buffalo. And if Cincinnati had won the home game that Monday night, it would have been in Cincinnati. We all understand why it's not. Doesn't change the circumstances, but this will be Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, two teams that are both on fire, two teams on lengthy win streaks, two teams with great quarterback play, two teams good enough to win the Super Bowl, two teams squaring off in Buffalo, Sunday afternoon, with plenty on the line, with Joe Burrow not caring and strutting in there with all the confidence in the world. Before we get to the last game of the weekend, Cowboys 49ers. And we were watching the Monday night game with Steve Young last night. And as the Cowboys are pulling away, he said, oh boy, everybody's going to be asking me this week about the Cowboys 49ers 1992-1993 playoff games that Steve Young played in memorable games because they're going to look back on what was once a great rivalry and they played a great playoff game last year in which San Francisco went into Dallas and won the game the 49ers are 2-0 in the divisional playoff round under Kyle Shanahan and they have won four straight home playoff games they're rolling along with Brock Purdy 6-0 as a starter But Dallas coming off its best showing of the year, quieting any questions about Mike McCarthy's future. Looks like he's going to be there no matter what happens right now. But Dallas still has something to prove. And Dallas, like the Giants, is a dangerous team this weekend. But the football weekend will start on Saturday. And it will start in Kansas City with the underdog upstart Jacksonville Jaguars rolling into Arrowhead Stadium with a wide receiver named Zay Jones. There's my friend. What's up, my guy? How you doing?
1: I'm doing great, and yourself?
0: Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man, of course. Thank you for asking me.
0: You know what? I was looking at the events of the weekend, and I said, I want to get on somebody to talk about what it's like to fall behind 27 points <laughs> and to hear what goes through their mind at that particular moment. So I will turn that over to you, Zay Jones, and I will ask you, what goes through your mind?
1: It was was definitely difficult at times. I had never been in that position before at any level in my career. And I think the most important thing that I was thinking about is what type of character do I want to have? What type of football player do I want to have in this moment? Um, You know, me and Christian, Kirk briefly talked about that on the sideline because things were looking – they weren't looking too positive for a minute. So we really were just like, bro, we gotta, we gotta do it play by play and just stay with this thing and, and finish as a true competitor. And then we'll win in halftime. Doug just said one play at a time, defense get stops, offense, we have to score every possession. And we really believed that. And so that was kind of my mindset. But there's no like spectacular moment or anything like that. That's just kind of what it was, if if that helps. And when do you realize? This may be happening. Gosh, it was like when Evan had scored, it was like, okay, finally we're on the board. When Marvin Jones Jr. had scored, it was like, okay, we're heading the right direction. And I think when I had gotten in position to score, it was like, okay, like we're, we're in this thing. And so everyone had their hand in it and it just it was piece by piece. And, and ultimately, you know, with, with Trevor leading us and being as composed as he was and, and the whole team believing in each other. It was it was a beautiful ending to what looked like a disaster in the beginning for us.
0: And when you say it's a beautiful ending, Zay, when you mount a twenty-seven point comeback, and it's the third biggest comeback in NFL postseason history, third biggest, yeah. What will you remember about that game specifically? Because there has to be a moment, a celebration,
1: yeah. The guys, the guys in the locker room, the the feeling that we had, the excitement from the fans, the roar of the crowd, um, just the celebration amongst each other. Um, we do have the wherewithal that that's not the end goal. I think we can all recognize that, but you had to honor that moment for what we had just just did because our season's over. If if we yeah. don't if we don't get that done, I mean, our special teams unit coming in and, and completing it. Um, you know, Riley, snap, hold, kick. Just everyone feeling as though, like, looking at each other, like, this is a brotherhood. This is this is family. This is what we've worked so hard for. So I'm going to remember that feeling that we had amongst each other uh, more than anything.
0: There are certain games that I remember covering. I remember a Denver Bronco playoff game in 1992, divisional playoff game. They were hosting Houston, and they fell behind by two, three touchdowns. John Elway's playing quarterback they were behind the entire game just like you were you didn't lead for any one second of that game until the <laughs> until, final score until
1: the end yeah
0: until the end and yeah. so in this particular game i remember watching this game and denver was behind by two three touchdowns the entire time and john elway managed to rally them to i think it was two touchdowns in the final two minutes when they hadn't scored a touchdown all game and similar kind of thing they hadn't led all game yeah. won the game and you just can't believe that they found a way. And in that game, there were so many things that the Houston Oilers had to do wrong for yeah. the Broncos to come back. There are a string of things, yeah. just like there were with the Chargers. And I think people don't realize that. You guys did exactly what you were supposed to, but the other team has to make repeated mistakes. As yeah. I'm watching the game in the second half, they come out on the first drive and they throw three straight incompletions. And I think to myself, what are you doing? Yeah, throwing the football over and over. And in the second half, they had seven running back carries and 22 passes with a 20 point lead, which helps, I think provide a little bit of insight into why they fired their offensive coordinator and their quarterback coach. Fair or unfair.
1: Gosh. I mean, I I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to explain. They didn't have any turnovers. I mean, they, I guess they were doing what they did that had gotten there and it's, and it's like if you look statistically at it, it's like we turned the ball over what four or five times and they and they didn't. And so it's it's just it's uncanny, it's it's unheard of. Um yeah. It, I'm speechless when it comes to on paper, it's like, okay, we weren't supposed to to come out with the victory, but it's just that's what makes this so amazing for, for us is the guys in the locker room who believed and, and trusted in it and did what we were supposed to do. Down in and down out. Um, I can't speak for them, but I mean, I'm just, ha- I'm glad we got the win. You know what I'm saying?
0: Uh, Zay, Trevor Lawrence, we saw on social
1: media, went to celebrate the Waffle House. Yeah, I'm, I'm upset I missed that, bro. I'm pissed I missed that. I'm like, what was my invite? <laughs> like, I love the, uh, the All-Star Special. <laughs> so that's what you already got, the All-Star Special? Yeah, Waffle Light. and got to have the Waffle Light. You know what I'm saying? Well, you nice. know what that
0: means? That means nice. you got to go, you got to win this weekend. And go to the Waffle House afterwards. And by the way, if you could find a way to win in Kansas City, which would be huge.
1: Yeah.
0: You find a way to win there and go to the Waffle House for the All-Star Special. Like, there's a a branding deal here for the Jaguars. Like, there's a commercial with you and Trevor and the guys going for their All-Star Specials and their light waffles and whatever it is (laughs) at the Waffle House. Don't let this opportunity pass you by, Zay. (laughs)
1: Shoot, we got to take care of business first, man, but it sounds amazing. I actually, I'm, I'm a Waffle House fan. I'll give the credit where credit's due. I don't know how they do it, man. The food tastes the same everywhere you go. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's consistent. It is very consistent. There you go. What about the challenge of going into Kansas City? I mean, where do you start? I mean, their they're head coach, legendary, been here before, knows what it takes. Quarterback's phenomenal. Defense is stout. Uh. They got explosive players. Can't say enough about Travis Kelsey. Atmosphere is is uncanny. Pass rush is incredible. So our hands are going to be full with with what we have. I mean, but this is playoff football. Um, this is what you work so hard in in August, you know, even OTAs for. And so it's gonna be an exciting matchup.
0: And you played for the Raiders for 19, 20, 21. So you know what it's like to go into Arrowhead. Yeah. Did any of the guys ask you? What's this like and what what we could tell them?
1: They had uh, prior to us going there earlier in the season, um, a lot of the guys were interested. I know a couple of guys had never played there before, but um, I, I told them the truth. I'm like, it's one of the most hostile environments to play in. Um, you're not going to be able to hear the play call. Uh, you you got to signal or you got to be, you know, face to face, but you really got to hone in on your details and you got to try to drown as much noise out as you can because of what their fan base brings. And, and they're incredible. They show up. Uh, they travel well and ultimately their team is so, is so sound. Um, when you look at them, you just turn on the tape. There's there's not too many negative things that you can say about them across the board. Um, what makes them so special.
0: That place is one of my favorite places to watch a football game. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Do you like to be up in the booth or on the sideline?
0: Well, I've been to every stadium in the country. I've had the blessing of doing that. And I think that that is my favorite. Really? I Cause The stands are right on top of the field. Yeah, and we have all these new stadiums and SoFi and Jerry's World, and it feels spread out to you. Yeah, they're they're big and they're and a little bit corporate and they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. No, they are. But Kansas City was built, I think, in the seventies. Really, and and I covered the Broncos for sixteen years, so I would go there every single year, and then I would cover playoff games when Denver wasn't in the playoffs. I went to a bunch of playoff games there. And I'm just telling you, to me, that was always my favorite NFL stadium to go to because you'd be downtown and you walk outside your hotel 15 minutes away. Yeah. And you to smell the tailgating and the barbecuing yeah. from downtown because it's everywhere there.
1: It's got the, um, it's got that neighborhood. Collegiate. Yeah, like that that backyard type feel to it. It's not. So far in a lot of these stadiums, I think what you're talking about, it looks like there's so much that can happen in there. You know, that conventions or whatever's going on, concerts or whatever. When you go to Arrowhead, it's like we're here to play football. Yeah, It's got that that old school feel to it. So I know what you're saying.
0: And it means so much to the people there. And they're polite fans.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is not always the case in some other places. At least they seem to
1: me to be polite fans. I mean, I have gotten far worse from other teams than I have from Kansas City, so I'll just keep it at that.
0: Well, so to my point, do you ever remember any negative encounters in Kansas City?
1: Uh, No, not with the fans, at least. Um, everyone's pretty cordial there. By the way, and, and you played for the Raiders for three years. I did. Right? And so if they hate any team, that would be a team that they would hate. I, and let me tell you this, the Raiders fans, they're loyal to loyal to their their guys there's those raider fans that's a crazy fan base too though when you talk about fan bases across the league bill's got a crazy fan base too fan base here is picking up man jacks we're strong we're heavy what's it like that they're just i feel like they're just so into it they just they love it um i'm not gonna lie when i was in opposing not opposing but when i played for other teams i didn't really know what even duval meant like the chant and all that stuff i thought it was weird i used to see gardner Minshew do it all the time right And when they asked me when I first got here, they're like, Zay, would you like to do the Duval? And I was like, a little shy. I was like, "Uh, I just got here. I don't really want to start screaming Duval. I don't really know. But I'll tell you what, after we had won that game and you had that feeling, you saw the crowd, you saw what it meant. And after you had been there so long, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the first one screaming Duval. So it's like, it's something that's really grown on me and something that I understand. I think you have to be here to understand it. You know, from the outside perspective, you might think it's like, it's the weirdest stupidest channel or whatever but when you when you're here when you're a part of it it, it grows on you
0: and what and I, I think I understand it it's just Duval County right like that's yeah. the significance of it correct yeah yeah but people it's, from the outside might not necessarily realize
1: that and are you now doing it yeah of course after every win we yeah we do it Doug leads it he, one two three give us a Duval and we all yell it it's fun man it's just like it's just our thing um it's been so special to to play here and just the way that not just me, but th- there's so many new guys this year. The way the city's embraced us, where this team has embraced us, and this coaching staff has really uh, came together um, in this this big melting pot. It's it's been it's been really beautiful just to be a part of, and I'm honored to to be in a place like this and to call it home. But how
0: has the reality of being there
1: matched up to the expectations that you had of Jacksonville coming in, Zay? I think it's I think it's exceeded um, my expectations because. Um, you know, coming from a city like Las Vegas, there, it's it's all this extravagant pieces to it. There's all these things, right, going on. And when you come here, it's not that it's bad. It's just different. It's more tranquil. It's more peaceful. You got the beach. You got polite people. It's it's still the South. There's kind of like this, this humbleness feel to it. And as far as the team, it was hard to put all the pieces together as far as like, okay, this is a lot of guys I've never played with before um, that I've talked to. Uh, don't know much about um, the coaching staff, but I've had you know players tell me about how Doug is, who he is as a man, a, as a person, his scheme. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Matthews, Nick Foles are a couple of guys that I had talked to and then you know, how would they implement me into it and what's it going to look like. And so I would be lying if I said, okay, I knew it was gonna happen all like this, but I had a feeling, okay, this is something special that I want to be a part of, you know, getting Christian Kurt, Evan Ingram and all these guys coming in. And just seeing the way that Doug has managed everything and and really put us in positions to make plays has been has been nothing short of incredible. I respect him a lot as a man and as a as a football coach, you know, taking his year off and doing what he needed to do off the field and coming back. um, I'm really proud of the job he's done.
0: What has been the single biggest surprise about your new
1: home and new employer when you look at it? Um. The biggest surprise, I didn't know how funny Trent Bulky was. I think he's hilarious. He's our GM. I think he's one of the funniest guys. He'll probably, when he sees this, he'll know, but I don't like to tell him he's funny. Um, I I like just the the conversations that we have, me, Trent, and all the coaches. They really, they embrace their role as like authoritative figures and, and telling us, but like they're so down to earth. And th- we can have conversations. I think that was one of the, the biggest surprises mm-hmm. to me is, is how cordial and how great the communication can be amongst all of us. Um, I think this for me, as I've gotten older in my career, I've realized that communication and how it, how it can be no disrespect or shade to other organizations that I've been at. I think just as my maturity has gotten, uh, has grown and I, I'm talking to these coaches, I'm seeing things the same way They're they're, we're speaking the same language. That's been really, really unique to me because it's my first time having, you know, leadership top down, bigger role, more input as to what we're doing. How do I like things? How to? So I think that's kind of been the, I guess not surprise, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. A little eye opening. Yeah, a little eye opening for me. Different than what you expected. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been great. Um, I think, you know. Former teams, I was kind of trying to find my way, working my way in and, and doing the best I could. And now here, it's, like, it's really embraced me. It's been eye-opening, I think, is more the term that I'm, I'm looking for.
0: Well, your other former team was the Buffalo Bills. You played there 2017-19. to 19.
1: Yeah, I uh, played Buffalo. I started there as a rookie. Yeah. What, what do you think it would mean to that city if Buffalo were able to win a Super Bowl? Th- those fans would probably be ecstatic. Um, not probably. They would be. Um, I mean, they already jump off tables and stuff. And so... <laughs> Uh, I know that they they love their players. They love their coaching staff. Um, What has gone on recently, you know, with DeMar and everything, I think has only brought them closer. And I know uh, Sean up there, all those guys up there, Josh Allen, um, it would mean the world for them. Um, You know, there's always a possibility to to see them later down the road, but we got to take care of business first. So it's just fun, man. I'm super blessed, Adam, to. Be in this position, have this experience over these years of playing for different different teams and different fan bases, and to be here in this moment, I'm just on. I'm humbled to come this far playing as the Chiefs. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time in my life. Well, you know what, Say you've worked hard and yeah. you've
0: earned what has come your way, and you've developed into a big time receiver. And it's taken a little bit of time for you to achieve some of the recognition and prominence and riches that come with the position that you have. But when you carry yourself the way you do and work as hard as you do, you deserve everything you get.
1: Thank you. That means a lot coming from you. You know I got a lot of respect for you.
0: Well, it goes both ways, right? Yes. It goes both ways. You know I'm eternally grateful, right? Yeah. you brought, brought to the Super Bowl. That's where we first met. Yep. I appreciate you looking out for my family the way you did.
1: Of my course. Son, right? Yep.
0: And hopefully we'll have the occasion to bump into each other again at a Super Bowl this year as well.
1: Man, I appreciate it, man. It's great talking to you. I appreciate you having me. It's awesome talking to you.
0: Thank you, Zay. I appreciate it. Good luck in Kansas City this weekend. Thank you, boss. And there is Zay Jones, the Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver who left the Raiders last offseason to sign a three year, $24 million deal in Jacksonville that so far looks like it was a bargain for the Jaguars. Hard not to root for Zay Jones. We wish him luck this upcoming weekend against Kansas City. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around. From Zay Jones onto two legendary writers, Jim Patterson and Mike Lupica. James.
2: Oh, hey, how are you?
0: How are you doing? Pretty good. Where are you? I am in my house in New York. And let me just say, before Mike comes on.
2: Yeah, let's talk about him a little.
0: Yeah, and, and steals all the mic because I'm not going to get a word. And I can now tell you, before he gets on, what an honor it is to have somebody
2: oh no hold on i want him to hear this
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we got to wait for him to join okay I, I texted him so he should be coming on but i figured i would tell you before he gets on because once he gets on i'm going to barely be able to get a word in
2: oh no we're bad we i'm i'm just as bad as he is it's terrible Oh really yeah yeah, yeah. i want to bang at a couple of your cohorts by the way Stephen a for putting out his book this week and being <laughs> afraid to go you know we'll do that and maybe go at kornheiser and uh And and Will Bond, too. You got a problem with those guys? Yeah, they won't put us on the show. They're afraid. They're afraid to have like two four aging writers, you know. And I watch that show every night. See, I don't understand
0: how somebody would have time to write 179 novels and still have time for
2: sports. Yeah, that's it. I don't know where they get that number from. I think it had to Okay, what's the number? You know what it is? I did these book shots, the novellas. And I think that's where they got that goofy number. And I keep telling them to relax a little, but, you know, because it sounds absurd. It is absurd, but, you know, it's not as it's not that bad.
0: What would you estimate the number to be closer to, James?
2: A lot. (laughs) Too many. (laughs) Too many. Oh, hi, Mike. I told, I told them we're going after Kornheiser and Wolbon and, uh, and, and Stephen A. You know, Stephen A, I, I, we'll get into it, or we might. No, no, Jim, we don't have to wait. Go right ahead. The floor is yours. Well, no, I, I'm just, you know, you know all these ESPN guys, and Mike does as well. You know, the thing with, with Kornheiser and, and Wolbon, I watch that show every night, and I have for decades. I wanted to get on the show, but apparently they don't want aging, four aging writers on the screen at the same time. Maybe the producer, I don't know. And then Stephen A, listen, I, I'm a big fan, but he puts out a book this week. He was afraid to go up against us. You know, really there was a challenge. It was right out there. And the thing of it is the way he talks, you know, I'm surprised the book isn't like 2000 pages it's like two hundred and eighty eight pages. that would be like two days for him to dictate. I think what do you think, Mike I don't know. I could be wrong on well,
3: here's the thing. here's the thing about Tony and Mike Adam, who's my friend he he's at least loyal to me, okay. <laughs> Adam is not under the impression that he put himself on the sports report, okay. <laughs> But Wilbon and and Cornheiser and K- Tony I've known for about six thousand years, so way. No, back it's okay. There,
2: it's okay. Yeah, but listen, I I listen to those guys like almost every night. I listen. I you well, know, it's ridiculous.
0: So how how did the collaboration between the two of you begin? We've got a prolific writer, one of the all time great American writers. Prolific Mike, is not we, what is what my is favorite
2: one? adjective. Uh,
0: what what is it, Jim? What is it? um sexy
2: sex yeah <laughs> sexy's good <laughs> we've got
0: one of the all-time sexy prolific writers <laughs> and we've got one of the all-time great sports columnists in american history coming wow. together to join who, forces who,
2: who Who are you talking about
0: will bonnie no, no, no.
3: Hey,
2: don't don't, yeah.
0: don't
3: no
2: don't all right anything. okay all right okay so, so how did this happen mike
3: well i'm not proud to tell you adam we met in a bar and 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 and, you know, I and then he introduced himself and I said to myself, you know, Mike, here's somebody who could use a little boost. You know <laughs> he's, he, he, yeah. he, how it's time for you to give back, Mike. OK. And now we we just hit it off.
2: And he made me audition and grovel. I had a grovel.
0: But did, did you really mean to bar the two of you? Yeah. yeah.
2: We're going with that.
0: Where? Near where Jim
3: lives, near where Jim lives in, in, uh, Westchester. Okay. So you made a bar randomly.
2: No, 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 no. It was, a, it was a setup.
3: Okay. No, so, he... no, no, he didn't like pick me up. No, but, um, uh, I tried, we, but it didn't work. We, we, no, <laughs> no. Um, so Jim had this idea that maybe set a book in, in the world of show jumping. Cause he knew my daughter Hannah rode. Okay. And it was going to be a kid's book. And then the more we talked about it and then it so that became The Horsewoman, which came out a year ago and became a big bestseller. for And us. then,
2: you know, we both love the idea of these these big, dysfunctional, powerful families, uh, you know, like Yellowstone and Succession and the yeah. Corleones and the royal family, of course. And, you know, the royal family came last last week. The two big books were, were Harry's and, and Our House of Wolves. And but really, you know, so he got slapped, slapped around by his brother a little bit and he's not talking to his daddy. That's nothing compared <laughs> to the to the wolf family in our book. It really it's nothing. Nothing. They, that that's like a regular, normal, non-eventful day for them. House of Wolves, the new book. Oh, we have. Oh. <laughs> I know it's sick. So,
0: so you 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 begin your collaboration. and What is the writing process like together? How does that work? I don't it's, know. We don't, we don't really understand it ourselves,
3: Adam. <laughs> I, it just, we talk about, we, it's sadly, we talk on the phone about eight or 10 times a day and, yeah. and, wow. and 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 there, it's always story related unless it involves um, our golf games, but th- th- you can't talk that long about our golf games. So, and, and I'll say, well, what if we do this today? And Jim says, well, okay, but what if we do this And then that and then I'll call back about this time of day and I'll say, um, I promise this is my last phone call. And then we'll have like two more phone calls after that. But, you know, uh, the
2: thing, Adam, the collaboration thing, people act like it's some like mysterious thing. Almost every TV show, there's, you know, eight to ten writers who are working on all this stuff. And initially they all get together and work on, you know, the season. and and then it's used for often two of them who work on every script. So there's nothing like mysterious about this, but people always go, oh my God, you know, no, it's. But, but,
0: you know, but it's not often that you see a book done by two people, like having written some books myself, having written about 175 fewer books than Jim, Mike, I, I just couldn't imagine collaborating on a book with some, it's, it's not a. We can
2: do it. We can do it. I'm always looking for good writers. Yeah. You you need a good writer to work with.
0: You need a good writer.
2: You, you haven't found any recently, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have done a couple of collaborations. And, and you know, I, I say, you know, I, I did a couple of books with President Clinton. I think we're going to do another one. And he's a really good sax player, much better than Mike. And <laughs> um, and Dolly is a much better lyricist, Dolly Parton, than Mike is. Uh, but I, I will tell you, and I've worked with a bunch of people, though. Mike is the best writer I've worked with.
0: Mike, and what do you say about Jim? And his strengths. What impresses you most about him? Okay. Now, now I, I will tell you this because
3: we've just come off the road and I would tell people this uh, uh, at every appearance.
2: Meaning and- we were touring.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. And it is like getting a master class in sports in writing at this point in my career. It has been the most fun i've ever had we have written we wrote the horsewoman we got house of wolves we've already finished two other books together a- a- already and it's 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 two guys like working one brain and 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 you know this book we've got um an unbelievably great female lead jenny wolf who is who had wanted nothing to do with her own dysfunctional family and things happen in the book and all of a sudden she's right in the action okay and, and we, we, we just, it's got football, it's got newspapers. And if you've read the Alex Cross books, uh, we play into Jim's uh, uh, strengths because we kill some people in this book, Adam. So uh, yeah. if, I mean, if you read Alex Cross, who knows more about killing people? Than no, you my, one
2: of my rules is no one is safe, which is, which is kind of Yellowstone. I mean, that's one of, one of their rules too. No one is safe, except for maybe Kevin Costner. Everybody else can. can oh, and be Beth! Lovely. Beth better be
3: safe. Beth better be
2: safe. Well, I think the series is going if Kevin. Uh, so,
0: so where did the idea for this storyline come from specifically?
2: I don't do know it? where they come from. I mean, we both, you know, got together. We love this family idea. We love the idea about writing about sports, which we both really enjoy the hell out of. Uh, we're both sports maniacs, um, um, and and then and the newspaper business, which Mike has been in, and I followed for years. Uh, so, and so we just liked all the pieces of it. And then uh, it just kept getting better. You know, the thing of it is, is, I mean, it's been a, a bad couple of years. And, and last week was so good. either. other and there's not that much entertainment out there, honestly. And, and this is kind of the top gun of books. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. It really moves. I just I told Mike this morning, I got a note from Cindy Alvarez, who's Barry Alvarez's wife. Yeah. And my wife went to Wisconsin and Barry gets all my books. And she said, Barry read this in like a day and a half. Wow. And He it flipped them out. Yes. I mean, and that talks to the, to the kind of authenticity of the football stuff, too. It's, it's really it clips along. And also, obviously, we, we take some shots at the owners, which you might appreciate. Like what? L- uh, like everything. Like I got I got questioned. or uh, we, we We had a question. Where we were on the road about because the mob is in the book. And I said, oh, you mean the NFL owners? You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's
3: don't worry. It. We're not going to kill your gig, Adam. We, 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 I, we're not I'm not gonna worried gonna about you
0: get- killing my gig. I'm worried about Jim knocking me off, Mike, is what I'm worried no, about. No, never, never. Okay. You're okay.
2: on our good list. I mean, Kornheiser and Wilbon, should, they should be worried. They should be watching their backs in Stephen A. Absolutely. And I know we know that Kornheiser's up in his attic, so we know how to get to him. That's so simple. We know when he's there. It's perfect. It's, it's like a child's play.
3: And, and Adam, the great thing about this book is it, 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 there is a lot of good football stuff in it. And I have to tell you something. It was when young Mr. Hamlin went down that night. I called Jim right away. We have a scene that is so eerily similar to that yeah. in our book. Wow. It, it, I it said, Jim, are you, are you, the ambulance on the field, the game being suspended. Our guy dies of a drug overdose. It's not a big spoiler alert. He's not a big character. The, the two or three paragraphs that we have describing that scene are almost exactly what it, I, yeah, it I was. It was, I said, it was, freaky. Yeah. it was freaky.
2: Yeah. Nelson DeMille once did a thing. He had a book coming out and exactly what happened to Prince Stewart was in his book and the book was coming out like in two weeks. Uh, after Payne Stewart died on that plane. It was exactly the same thing. And it it just freaked him and the publisher out. So how
0: does it make you feel when you see a real life scene unfolding like the one with DeMar Hamlin? Probably like the way
2: it makes everybody feel. I mean, it's really, you know, uh, uh, to see something live like that. And also it's so unexpected in that environment. And, And Mike and I were talking, you know, that guy was so lucky. If it had happened anywhere, if it had happened in a hospital, he probably would be dead.
3: I wrote a column um, the ne- a few days later in the Daily News. And I said, listen, we know all the things the NFL is. We know all the things it can't do. But what it did do that night was save that kid's life. Yeah, it was and great. Those, all those drills, you know this better than I do, Adam. All those drills that they run in every stadium. And and I, sitting there, listen, I was there the night, uh, thought, you know, LT broke Thysman's leg, okay, and that, that was one kind of terrible moment, but nothing like this. I and I know everybody thought the same thing. I said, I, I, I if somebody called me. I said, I'm afraid that young yeah, man. That said,
2: live stuff is is, and we both, Mike and I, uh, talked back to the um, uh, Jack Ruby, and and that oh. scene that was we we both saw that live on television yeah. as kids. Really? Yes. And, and what what and what was that like? It was it was unbelievable. It was like first Kennedy, and you know that's unthinkable for a kid. And then and then and then and then to see Ruby you know, shoot Oswald live. It's like what? It's like it's its like it was a thriller. It was insane. It was it couldn't happen. But there it was. My father-in-law,
0: who's very well studied and very, very well versed, is convinced that this whole thing was set up and that somebody knocked off Ruby that was connected to knocking off Kennedy. Yeah, that makes sense. Him, you can't tell him otherwise. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, 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 that certainly makes sense. Sounds sure. like a
0: Patterson story. Well, that's know. what I was, that's what I was saying. Is anything no, the Idaho it? thing
2: is the Idaho thing is a Patterson story mm. that that thing is, I mean, that was freaky. And, and, uh, you know, but the thing about fiction is, is one of the things like for the most part, we don't have those endings like in Idaho. And, and one of the things, you know, like the Epstein thing, who the hell knows what happened at the end to him in a jail and, you know, but but in our book, well, in this book, in, in House of Wills, for example, you, you get an ending. And that's very satisfying because in life we don't we don't get the endings a lot of times.
0: Jim, Jim, when you're seeing these current news events, do they
2: help trigger ideas? No, no, I okay. rarely every once in a while, but mo- mostly no. I, I I, you know, I have in my office here somewhere. This is big stack. It's about this big and a very clever uh, 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 title on the top of it. It says ideas. Yep. And there's about 700 ideas in there for novels. Wow. So it's pretty messed up. And I keep adding to it. I don't know wow. why. I, I guess I must think I'm going to live to be a thousand or something. Probably, it, probably won't happen.
3: We took, you know, there, there's so many, you know, Adam, you know, this. there's so many dysfunctional families in sports. You know, you look at what happened with the bus family after Dr. Jerry died. You look at it, Listen, the, the 49ers might win the Super Bowl, and you know, everything that happened there after eddie stopped running the team so there's little bits of that and 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 and, but again our family's way more dysfunctional my i've got adam you know this i've got a daughter and three sons okay jenny is is the star of our book she's got three brothers okay and hannah lupica who is a voracious uh reader is reading house of wolves and she calls up in the middle of it and she said, "Dad." I didn't know that Punching My Brothers was in play because there's a great scene in this book where Jenny just hauls yeah. off and slugs the brother running the newspaper, who, by the way, is killing her in San Francisco way worse than the other papers are. <laughs>
0: Sounds a little bit
2: murdoch if you will. Yeah, but way, way beyond them, too. But yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Little succession, but I'm telling you, the Roys and the Duttons.
2: Adam, the next time you're stuck on an airplane, we'll send you the book. Re- read it. Uh, we're
0: know, not- I'm going to make a confession to you, Jim. I used to love to read, and I still love to read. Yeah. The problem is, with the job that I've done and the way society is, it has deconditioned my brain to be able to sit down to, number one, relax. And number two, take the time to immerse myself in a book, which is one of my great joys in life.
2: Trust me, you do not have to immerse yourself in this. This thing immerses you against your will or whatever. That's the beauty of some of the the things that I do. It it, it is, you know, and one of the great joys for me are women who will come up and go, you get my husband reading again. Because... Yeah, because it's the same thing. I mean, and I I have the same experience in some some writers, a lot of stuff. I go, I just can't wade through this stuff. You know, you don't have to wade through this book at all.
0: Let me ask you this question, Jim. And and Mike, we were disputing the number of books that Jim has written. I had it at 179, which he corrected and said he doesn't know where that numbers come from. However many it is. Is there one that is your favorite, Jim?
2: Um, I, you know, I love this book. Honestly, wow. a black book I like a lot. A uh, couple of the kids' books, I think, turned out, I mean, some of the characters, Alice Cross, The Women's Murder Club, I'm happy to have created, uh, uh, you know, char- I'll tell you, the one that we have coming, which is set on Long Island, which I think you have some association with, I don't know, um, um, uh, Jenny, Jenny, uh, Jane Smith, maybe Jane Effing Smith, I don't know, uh, uh, TBD, but uh, uh, that's another one where, and I think both Mike and I agree, it's it's, it's the best character we've ever created. Wow. And, and, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We already have a really good actress, which I can't say who she is, which is, why did I even bring it up? You
3: call me, Adam. I'll tell uh, <laughs> <laughs> you. You got it, Mike. You got it. Adam, But you go you go to Amazon. Okay. we Jim's, you know, again, he sold more books than anybody on the planet. I, I 425 done, million books. Okay. And I've done okay. You go to Amazon. And you read the reviews for this book. I've never, ever, uh, my, Taylor Lupica checks in every day and she says, every one of them start, starts, sounds. but sick. that
2: one thing, uh, Adam, and, and it's true, probably a lot of people listening where they don't read as much as because it just seems like it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's not. You, you'll you jump right into the, I mean, you were, a lot of people will. And, and yeah. that's why a, a lot of people go, well, you got my husband reading. Because they start and they go, oh, um, yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> give me another. my thing, even with kids is always, you know, because Mike and I both do kids books. And my thing is, at the end of a kid's book, that the kids need to say, uh, give me another book. Give me another book. Uh, and, and unfortunately, there are millions of kids in, in the country who have never read one book that they love. And, and Mike and I, both of us, we, we try to write books where the kids are going to go. That was great. Give me another book. Just like movies. You know, if, if if they taught, you know, movies and they did in, in school and they, and they started with Ingmar Bergman movies, we don't yeah. go, I don't, I don't like movies. <laughs> yeah, but we don't, fortunately. And, uh, you yeah, know, so we don't do that. The House of Wolves is it it, 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 it chugs along, really. And the, and are twists and turns about every three sentences. you know, So it's fun.
0: And, Mike, how, do you know how many books you've sold off the top of your head, Mike?
2: 25000 <laughs> I
0: uh, the, the
3: kids' books, the yeah. kids' books. I, I think I sold six or seven million after Travel Team. Tra- Travel Team changed my life. Which,
0: which, 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 by the way, six or seven is an incredible number. Okay, and what about all your other books? Because you've done. Well, I
3: I have no idea. You know what? Uh, the, I'll
2: tell you what though. His that football book that, that I, I read. It, a bump and run is great. That's right up there with semi-tough and whatever. Wow. I don't know how it did. Wow. i am always telling him to change his agents and shit, but
3: uh <laughs> he doesn't mean that. He I know,
2: does. I'd love Esther. No, it's um uh but that's a really wonderful football book. And and that's one of the cool things about this. The football scenes in this in this book are really good. They're really uh,
3: Adam, you should have read Bump and Run when you were still reading books. I. I this is I. You know what? And I here I am. Here I am, Jim. And I see this young man, and I I, I see him, and they, they give him these crap jobs on the NFL Network. And I say to our late great producer Joe Valeri, I said, "This kid Scotts, let's put he's this from Long Island. His mother loves me. I yep. said, let's put him on, and 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 the rest is history." But again, Jim, he remembers that unlike.
2: Uh, Kornheiser and <laughs> Wilbur. Yeah, I know. No, I got it. I got it. And Stephen, and I who owes you nothing, but you know,
0: I idolized Mike growing up. He knows that, and I still have great, great, great respect for him. I don't idolize him like that anymore. And you are a prolific figure, an iconic figure. In the world of literature and writing what does that
2: even mean, Adam? A prolific it, it figure. It means
0: you're a legend. No, Jim we're gonna no, we're legend. gonna, you
2: know, we're gonna we're gonna you're it's writer to writer here. I mean, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna deal with <laughs> the lines like prolific <laughs> person.
0: Yeah. Good luck, Adam. I can't help you now. You're on your own, my boy. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank both of you men for coming on House of Wolves, the new book available. Order it on Amazon, go to your bookstores. We need to help Jim Patterson sell more books. Because 425 million books sold so far is not enough. It's not Isn't enough. Isn't
2: enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but more than that, you, you you need to have some fun. And it, it's a fun read. That's a cool thing about it.
0: Hey, Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's an honor to meet you. And Mike, it's great to be with you. And you guys, I want to have both of you guys have to play golf sometime.
2: Okay. All right. We can do that. John. Sleepy John. Hollow, man. Wherever you want, Jim, you let me know. We'll go play. Okay. Thanks
0: much. Hey, thanks very much. I appreciate it, Jim. Mike, thank you. Great to see you again, Adam. Wow. That is something to be joined by the great Jim Patterson and my friend, Mike Lupica, prolific writers and authors who have sold millions and millions and millions of books and now have their new book out, House of Wolves. And you heard them mention the book Spare, Prince Harry's book. That was written by a gentleman by the name of J.R. Moringer. Now, let me tell you a little story about J.R. Moringer. When I lived in Denver and was a reporter for the Rocky Mountain News, I lived on Milwaukee Street in Denver. And the guy who lived up the street from me, about 10 houses down, same side of the street, on Milwaukee Street, was J.R. Moringer. We both worked for the Rocky Mountain News in Colorado together. And shortly after Colorado got its expansion baseball franchise, the Colorado Rockies. Jr. and I both applied to the newspaper where we were working to cover that team. Jr. was a general news feature writer at the Rocky Mountain News, and I was a general assignment sports reporter covering mostly the National Football League, the Denver Broncos, and a little bit of Colorado Buffalo football. And so we both interviewed for the job. We both did not get the job. And we both were completely dejected at not getting to cover the new baseball team in Colorado. So they rejected JR, and he left to go to the Los Angeles Times where he won a Pulitzer Prize before all his other accomplishments. And they rejected me. And I was forced, forced to stick to covering the National Football League when all I wanted to do was cover the local baseball team. Man, there is a lesson there that sometimes – Things work out the way they should. And the best thing that could happen to you are things you would not expect, because there was nothing at that time in my life that I wanted to do more than be a baseball beat writer traveling around the country 162 games a year. Man, I cannot even imagine that. But the Rocky Mountain News told me no. And the Rocky Mountain News told J.R. Moringer no. And we both were left to make other career choices and try to make it on our own in other ways. And so eventually, a short time later, J.R. Moringer took the rejection from the Rocky Mountain News and left to become a feature writer at the Los Angeles Times, where he went on to win a Pulitzer Prize, and then went on to go write books with men like Andre Agassi and Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog. And from Shoe Dog, J.R. Moringer wrote, the best-selling book, Tender Bar, which got turned into a movie with George Clooney, and George Clooney introduced him to Prince Harry, and he winds up writing Prince Harry's book, Spare. My friend, J.R. Moringer. Now, when I was writing my book, the man I never met, the first call I made with no disrespect to the man that I wound up writing the book with was J.R. Moringer. But J.R. Moringer was on to George Clooney and Andre Agassi and Phil Knight and didn't have time for me at that point in time understandably so. And so he never really responded to my request to have him write my story, which was done with Michael Rosenberg, my co-writer and friend. And Jr. has gone on to become, I think, honestly, uh, the single greatest writer of people's stories because he is an incredible storyteller. And so I pre-ordered his book two months ago, three months ago, way in advance, not because I want to read about Prince Harry. I don't really care that much about Prince Harry, but because I care about the way JR builds and crafts and writes a story. There aren't many people that do it any better than him. And so I shot him a DM last week, congratulated him uh, on his new book, sent me back a message on Twitter that he is uh, really proud of the work that he put in, really excited for people to read it. And that, with all due respect to Jim Patterson and Mike Lupica, is the next book that I'm going to read after the Super Bowl, or at least attempt to read, if I can begin to focus for two, three days spare. But then House of Wolves will be right after that. And so there's our literature lesson of the day involving my friend J.R. Moringer, my friend Mike Lupica, and my new friend, Jim Patterson, a man who's written somewhere around 179 novels, sold about 425 million books, and written only 100 New York Times bestsellers. Oh, well, they better get busy. and better hope that this next book accomplishes some things for them that they haven't gotten done. All right, want to thank Zay Jones, a great young man, somebody we always root for with the Jacksonville Jaguars who play the Kansas City Chiefs in this weekend's divisional playoffs. I want to thank my friends, Mike Lupica and Jim Patterson, author of House of Wolves. Wish them luck with their new book. And I want to thank my producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, as well as you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week as we look back on the divisional platform and look ahead to the AFC and NFC Conference Championship Games. Until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.